Hi, my name is Mary Spender and welcome to Series 2, Episode 7 of Tuesday Talks. This series will consist of 10 interviews in total with some of my favourite musicians. So thank you so much for downloading and listening to this podcast, wherever you may be. Remember, you can catch the full video interview on my YouTube channel too. This week, I chat to an incredible American singer-songwriter you might already be aware of as she's been posting videos on YouTube since 2007 and her popular Song A Week series, Sunday Mornings with Raina Del Cid, has amassed millions of views. We finally met in January and filmed two songs together and now I'm honoured to have Raina Del Cid in this series, which is of course brought to you by DistroKid, my favourite music distribution service, which gets your music into online stores and streaming platforms, and they've been a huge supporter of my YouTube channel and this podcast. There is a link in the show notes for you to get 7% off your first year, so let's get into the show. Tuesday, 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 Tuesday talks. I guess the most important thing to initially start with is the situation right now, because the world is just, it's just crazy. Um, and I know you've been affected in terms of like tours being rescheduled and stuff like that. Can you talk a bit more on that and what's happened? Yeah, so I would say more than half of my year is usually just touring. So um, I make videos every week, but I also just am constantly on the road. So it's been really, really disruptive. But at the same time, for the last like three years, we've been doing so many tours and so many live shows that I, I've almost sort of like had YouTube as a side project, like on the back burner in a way. Um, so it's been it's been interesting to be sort of forced back into the world of YouTube and, and have have it to focus on for once in a really long time. So kind of back to the OG uh, Raina Del Cid music making, which is pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely like a loss of income and, you know, there's all of that. But I feel fortunate because so many of my musician friends only do live shows. And I have this like platform where I can I can still make music and still have income, you know, and that's been that's been incredibly helpful. Yeah, like I, I'm um, aware that a lot of musicians will probably start really looking at how they can um, not not just switch over to YouTube wholly, but um, diversify their career and, and streams of income and stuff like that. Have any of them asked you for advice? It's amazing how many people have reached out to me about that. People I never, I never even thought would want to do YouTube in any way. Um, just like people who are session musicians, who are touring musicians, you know, trying to understand even like how to make a video, you know, how to record audio in a high quality way that's not just your iPhone. And it makes you realize how, how much you have learned throughout the years about, you know, you know, the, the various softwares you use and just, you know, everything that goes into making a video, there's a lot to it. And, um, and it's, yeah, just, it's an interesting thing to get into now, you know, like a lot of these people are in their thirties, forties, even fifties, you know, trying to understand technology that they maybe just didn't care about before. And, and it's been, yeah, it's been interesting. Well, and I think it's through musicians like yourself where you've shown you can do both quite successfully. And then, I think the illusion of, oh, you're either a YouTuber or an artist is just, it's just suddenly like, oh God, no, we all need to be able to share music with an audience. This is a way to do it. Um, can you tell the story of starting from zero subscribers and how many years ago that was and how you built it up to here? I almost don't want to say how many years ago it was. It was like basically, <laughs> basically. You're not that old. <laughs> oh, well, you know, uh, it was Way back in like 2007, uh, YouTube was very new, like very new to the point where it was really just people in their bedrooms straight up, you know, making videos with like handy cams, you know, into Windows Movie Maker. And like there were like eight pixels on the screen, I think, at any time. Uh, I got into it because I was trying to learn Joan Osborne's um, What If God Was One Of Us, that ridiculous song. I was just like determined to learn the finger picking intro. And I went to YouTube to see if anybody like had a video of themselves playing it. And some guy had one and it was wrong. It was like all the wrong notes. And I was like, I'm just going to learn this by ear. And I'm going to film myself doing a video of it. And just in case anybody else is trying to learn it, I'm just going to play the play the song, you know, 
clearly and uh, posted it and then sort of forgot about my YouTube channel and then signed back in one day and saw that there were like a few thousand people that had seen it and like some comments that were like, oh, do you have any original music? And I was like, wow, this is a way that you could actually reach people with with your music. So I put an original song out there and then people were like, I remember the first day somebody was like, I'm a fan. Like, I'm a fan, the, the word fan. And it was just so surprising. And I never thought of being, like, really a musician professionally until that moment. And I was like, maybe I could actually, you know, become a musician through YouTube, which was pretty surreal because back then everything was just so new and people just weren't using it that way. Um, yeah, so it's changed so much in the last, like, what was it been, like, 13 years, 12 years. But, um yeah, it's just it was it was like a slow growth process for me. And then back in like 2010, um, I had been making videos occasionally, like a couple times a month. And then I sort of just stopped because I had, I don't know, you could probably call it like legitimacy panic or something. Where suddenly I was like, actually, I do want to be a musician. I want to form a band, play live shows, and somehow YouTube is this thing that is like never going to be seen as a legitimate thing. And if you're a YouTuber, you can't also be a touring artist. You can't be a, a real artist, you know. And uh, I think since then I've sort of circled back and realized that was completely not true. And uh, But, yeah, there was this whole period of time where I just stopped posting. And, uh, yeah, just I almost took everything down. I'm glad I didn't, but, but yeah, there, there was the legitimacy panic for sure. When did you start it up and become consistent with it then? 2016, we started doing these Sunday morning videos. So we were on tour in Dublin and I was, we had done like a, a two week stretch of them before, a f or not two, two month stretch where we were doing it every Sunday. And people really liked the regularity of it, being able to tune in at the same time. Um, almost like it's a live thing. It's not quite because it's pre-recorded, but they liked being able to like meet at the channel at a certain time. And it's just, it was a lot of work. So that's why we only did it for two months to begin with. But then I was like, you know, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth the work because it creates a community. It's, uh, it's just something that people can look forward to. It's something we look forward to. It keeps us on our game. It's like, otherwise you, you, you can burn out. You can sort of like be like, well, I could just post later, you know, and put, put it off. I'm a big procrastinator. So a deadline is important to me. And so we, we decided 2016 at the end of that year, from then on, we were going to try to do Sunday morning videos, me and Tony and whoever else, you know, was available to do them. So that's been really good. It's been good to have a regular schedule. And I think it's also just good for, you know, the growth of the channel. I think that, you know, YouTube seems to like it when you have regular content and, and it works for us too. Mm -hmm, absolutely. In terms of um, procrastinating, how... I benefit from deadlines too. That's why I started Tuesday Talks. And then um, I don't know what it is now, but maybe it's just the fear of losing everything that I haven't. I've, I've, there's been one week where I haven't uploaded um, and, you know, nothing bad happened at all. But I procrastinate all the time. It's actually how I get stuff done because I procrastinate. I get, I get too many projects on. Then I have to prioritize eventually because there's a deadline looming and then I procrastinate against the thing that I've got the deadline for <laughs> avoid it avoid it at all costs do something else but then it gets so last minute that I have to do the other thing but it means that I've done something else sort of by proxy I guess um how how do you work best well definitely the, the same as you I like even in college I just would wait till literally the night before to write a you know 3000 page essay. It, it was just, yeah, any amount of time I have, I just won't do it until I have to. So that's why I think the, the weekly deadline is important. I'm impressed that, you know, the Tuesday talks thing is very similar to the Sunday morning thing that we do. And we do not do it every Sunday. There are many Sundays where we just are like, you know, we can't, we're on the road. There's just not enough time. Maybe somebody's sick. Like we don't plan ahead. So we don't have videos stockpiled. And I think you, I feel like you probably do have more of the, uh, plan ahead you know stockpile stuff am I am I right on that uh you're wrong very very wrong <laughs> <laughs> um I have especially when I had a full-time job because I only went full-time on YouTube a year ago and um uh and even being full-time like sometimes it'll get to like the weekend it, it'll be the weekend before now rather than the Monday night before or the Tuesday morning before my 1 p.m deadline and I, I really like to try and upload something early to Patreon but um yeah, like I, I would be 
away working um and suddenly realize like it was about to be Tuesday and then have to do a full day's work in my normal job and then do it in the evening and and then it's just one of those things where you're just you're almost panicky about ever proof watching it because you're like it has to go up so if I find any imperfections in this I'm gonna not want to put it up and it has to go so there are some really really funny just silly mistakes or editing mistakes or something in my early videos not not so early they're like 2017 videos um that I'm just glad that I have a bit more time and actually I make my Patreon watchers basically proof watch my videos for me <laughs> especially these long form interviews um because you know editing mistakes can happen and and you know so I'm getting better at stockpiling because luckily with a series like this where I'm actually coordinating other interviews rather than it just being reliant on myself I have to be organized and and make sure that um the other person knows exactly what's going on otherwise uh, that would be be tricky well and how is the situation it's uh actually weirdly enough in los angeles it's been uh pretty contained for the most part i think new york is kind of the epicenter in at least in the united states so um i do think the storm is coming i think it's going to get worse but um northern california is experiencing a lot of bad stuff right now um but yeah, we're all in shelter in place. We're all doing our part to social distance and, you know, try to keep people safe and ourselves. I look forward to going to the store like once every every other week because that's the only time I see people, which is kind of sad. But, you know, that's our life now. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a strange few months, I think. Um, way longer than any of us probably want to admit that it's going to last but yeah thank god for youtube and just and being able to and technology like actually being able to talk about it right now when we're you know an eight hour time difference and uh thousands of miles away from each other and just being able to communicate in this manner it's just if this had happened five to even ten years ago it would have been a lot stranger it would have been a lot lonelier so a lot lonelier um so yeah, I just, I feel, and also I feel, um, I was, I was talking with Marty Schwartz yesterday who in 2008, he started his whole career out, out of the economic crisis cause he lost all his work as a, as a musician and, um, and he started his YouTube channel. So I'm like, I'm in, in a weirdly positive way. I'm really excited about all the people that will start something like this because people have done it before, um, and, you know, they've come out of bad situations and then suddenly made something. But with with all your videos, like what's your process? How do you choose songs? And then how I mean, having worked with you now in January, um, I know that we have a lot in common about how many times it actually takes to get something done. Um, don't, don't tell them that. That's I us. mean, sorry, I'm not going <laughs> to tell anyone. Um, but uh how have you found that the process has improved over the years of doing it? There are a lot less mistakes now. I used to make so, so many like video, video, audio mistakes all the time. So that would be like one reason why we'd have to do multiple takes. I would be realizing that, you know, I've, I've set the gain too high and now everything's clipping, you know, and I didn't monitor it properly. Just things like that. Or, or just not recording, realizing you do a whole perfect take, things are not recorded. Or the can't, this has been a constant bane of my existence is that the camera is not quite in focus so then you you know like you think you focused it but then you go back and you do like your perfect take you import it into the computer and suddenly you see that you're like kind of vaguely out of focus the whole time so that's where you make the call like do I just post it anyway these days I try to I try to have you know I try to have things a little bit more profesh but um but yeah the process it changes I think from song to song um, I've been taking a lot more requests lately than I used to because we've been trying to involve like our patrons especially a little bit more in the process. So people request things on Patreon and or, or sometimes you do a poll. And um, it used to be that I was trying to do original songs. It would be like a cover and then an original song and then a cover and an original song every other week. And it got to the point where that's that's a lot of original songs and you kind of burn through your whole library pretty quickly when you do that. So it's really turned into, you know, a lot of covers on the Sunday morning uh, series. And then I've been trying to stockpile some originals to release properly as an album. So 
Um, it's it's been a kind of an interesting divide because a lot of people find us through the covers. They they like to hear our covers, and then they're like the OG Rain It Sid fans that really enjoy the original music, and they would rather see that, you know. So it's been tr- interesting trying to balance those things, especially at a live show, because you have people who have been following for like ten years who want to hear like the original songs from like way back in the day when there were eight pixels in the video and. Uh, and they're you know requesting these old things that people that have found us through like Tennessee Waltz or Jambalaya they they don't really know or care about so it's it's an interesting thing but uh but yeah the that's that's basically how it works and then Tony is kind of Tony the guitar player that plays with me she's kind of the one that like spearheads the like charting the figuring out the all the musical nuances and then she kind of gives me like a mini guitar lesson for like half of the videos where she'll she'll be like okay well here's your part you do this let's practice this together we put it together and and uh and then it's kind of my job to like do all the video editing and the audio and and the singing you know that's super cool so how long have you two been working together and then obviously uh you josh carson and tony have all gone on the road together just like it feels like a bit of a cool gang and obviously I've admired all of your work for a long time so um to have duetted with you obviously Tony was out of town but I just I can't wait to sort of reignite that and maybe maybe do a show with you we'll see about June right now I guess I know we haven't we haven't even announced it we might have to already like reschedule it or something but it was on Facebook so that's why I feel comfortable bringing it up (laughs) because it's my one show so I knew that it was it was out it wasn't properly announced but I knew the tickets were in sale but we'll see we'll see I don't want to advertise something that might go we were about to uh like actually start advertising it and stuff but yeah I think I don't know I have no idea if we're going to be able to do that in June I think it should happen at some point though even if it can't be June we should we should make it happen Oh yeah, well I have no plans. At yeah, the moment. <laughs> neither do I. So also <laughs> reschedule away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we kind of so Tony and I met in 2011, way back then, and I was trying to find a guitar player who was like a real guitar player to be in my band. And uh, the bass player in my band, Chris, was like, "I know this great guitar player. We were in a jazz band together, Tony." And I was like, "Cool, give me his number." And then and then Chris was like, "Oh, it's actually." A uh, girl and I was like cool girl lead guitar player you don't see that every day and I'm sure this is something you're really sick of hearing but uh, no not at all not at all yeah so so Tony came and she just completely melted our faces and um she's the only member of the original band that I had that still plays with me and um everybody else has kind of moved off to become a farmer in one case and uh you know somebody else moved to a different state so um yeah Tony's been playing with me for a long time and then we met Josh because he reached out on Patreon. We were both supporters of each other's music on Patreon. And uh, he reached out and was like, hey, next time you find yourself in New York, let's do a video together. And so we did a video with Carson and Josh. And and we realized like we have so much in common, not only musically, but personality-wise. We just kind of hit it off. And we were like, we have to do a tour. And then we have to do another tour. And then we have to do five more tours. So... That's kind of how it how it happened. It's very similar to with you. You know, it's like I kept seeing your videos pop up in all my related searches. People were commenting like you need to know Mary Spender. And then when I can't remember if I reached out, I think I probably reached out to you. Um, and that totally just makes sense. There's like a it just there's a synergy there, I think. So, well, I think I fangirled a bit in a in a video where I was like, I love Raina Del Cid's, you know, YouTube channel. Um, and uh, yeah, and then. And luckily I was in LA for Nam and I, I'm just, I'm just thinking about all the timing and I'm, I, I feel very fortunate that, um, you know, this didn't all happen just like a month or two earlier. Um, because otherwise that trip, which was the first time I was sort of putting myself out on a, on a limb, um, to, to go to the Nam show and all that I just, and to be able to meet you guys and meeting so many people and, I just I feel um, I feel saddened for musicians right now who've just had so much work cancelled. But again, just hoping it will be positive. But um, with with collaborating with Tony, I like what you said, where it's just like you sort of you have this sort of teamwork around uh, what you're in control of, what she helps with and then the collaborative process. But um how does that work in terms of like original song writing too? Usually the way that works is it'll just be me having 
a chord structure and a melody and some lyrics. And then I bring it to Tony and she has, she just contributes more ideas, more fleshing out of the musical side of things. And sometimes she'll kind of throw in some chord substitutions, like maybe instead of just like a regular four chord here, we should do, you know, whatever weird chord Tony comes up with, you know, like things like that. Um, so she's really improved my music that way. And, um, yeah, I've been trying to get Tony to, she writes her own like guitar pieces every now and then. Like she just wrote one the other day because she's been quarantined and she can finally focus on it. I've been trying to get her to, to do more of the, I'd love for Tony to write more and then for me to just kind of like come in and do some lyrics on top of that. Cause I think that's actually like, you know, she writes such musically rich things that I think that could be, that, that's a direction I want to move in. Well, and in terms of your lyrics, um, which are always just so fantastic and it's so evident that you're well read uh I think we spoke about it in January a little bit but that was kind of what you expected your career to be you were expecting to be more of a writer now with all this time are you doing any more of that I should be I'm feeling sort of like (laughs) paralyzed uh by everything all I've been doing is just sitting on my phone reading the news and like just sort of being like what is going on but yeah, eventually I want to I want to get more into writing. I thought I was going to be a writer, like a writer, writer, writer of fiction or and poetry and short stories, but um, ended up writing songs instead, which is totally fine. Um, but yeah, like I've been trying to get back into reading. I, I mostly love to read sci-fi and then like classic literature, and uh, been rediscovering that joy a little bit when I can get away from my phone and stop thinking about the news and everything that's happening. So I've been thinking about doing a, a video on that sort of paralysis because I know that everyone at the moment is saying, oh, you have all this time, you can learn a new skill and like all these platforms are putting up educational videos for free or, you know, and, and suddenly people are like, oh, I literally have no excuse right now because I just lost my job or like something terrible has happened where they suddenly have all this free time. And um, I, I I feel it too, where I'm like, okay, what, what do I need to do? I want, I want to be reading more. I want to, uh, I keep saying it and I've just started it slowly, but like, I want to learn Spanish and, um, all those things. But then at the same time, it's suddenly really, really overwhelming when you're like, oh, I have all this time. And so the whole idea of creating a deadline for yourself could be a really useful tool, I guess, right? So maybe could you get your patrons involved in terms of them expecting a, a poem or a short story from you? And then <laughs> it's it's more a question of whether they want to see a poem from me, you know, but of course they would. Well, well, who knows? Of course they would. Absolutely. I feel like I've I'm, I'm almost uh, feeling like it's my job right now to be producing content that's comforting or like you know distracting so that I don't know or like happy or something like the last two videos I've posted since this whole thing has happened is have been Randy Newman's you've got a friend in me and then like it's my lazy day which we did which it was kind of like a fun like don't worry there's nothing to do let's just be lazy so I'm trying to like produce this content that's like comforting for people because I know we have a lot of older listeners we have a lot of people that are like retired and there's they're especially like isolated and stuck in their houses and and this is especially hitting that that age group a lot harder so I've been trying to like produce content that's that way and I don't know that that's necessarily the way to go about things I feel like the the real uh what I really should be doing is just posting whatever I, I want to be working on but I have this weird feeling of like this is my job to like produce entertainment that's going to help people and yeah I don't know I don't know if you've been experiencing that too I definitely had a, a miniature crisis where I was just like what am I doing I should be helping you know you see in in um in the UK thousands and thousands of doctors, nurses, medical professionals have come out of retirement to help out. Um, And then uh, junior doctors or, you know, uh, student doctors have um, joined the the workforce early uh, again to help out. And then loads of people are volunteering. And I my mum is a a nurse, a sister in the NHS. And um, I just said to her, I was like, 
should I should I be helping? Because she's now working literally on the front lines and she's been pulled onto a ward away from what she was usually doing. And 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 she was just like, you need to be creating content. Just maybe acknowledge it, maybe acknowledge what's going on. And so I did make a video on how it was going to affect the music industry. And I'm totally aware it's going to affect every industry. But uh, when it was also quick and, you know, South by Southwest was being cancelled, all that sort of stuff, I was kind of like, OK, let's let's talk about how it is right now um, and what might change. And those changes did happen. Um, but now all I'm thinking is like, I want to acknowledge when a musician has definitely been affected, especially if I'm talking to them. I don't want to just gloss over it because I think it's kind of important to document this moment because hopefully in a year's time, it'll be not, we won't be able to laugh at it because it's an international crisis, but we'll be able to be like, oh my God, look at that. Look at all the good changes that have come out of that. Look at things that have been, you know, amendments that have been made. Um, so at the same time, I want to, I want to be making happy escapist sort of content, but I'm also aware that, you know, I, I, there is a little bit of guilt around me feeling like I'm you know, maybe just glossing over it. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find a balance, I guess. I've actually made a point of not using the keywords, like not using the words that you're hearing all the time in every feed that you, you see, like the, you know, all the words, I don't even need to say them here, but you know, we're all, we're all sick of hearing them and not even sick, but like, it's like, I think it's, it's panic. It like triggers panic for people, anxiety. I think there's a lot of anxiety and depression. I suffer from some pretty severe anxiety. Like I, I've had anxiety my whole life. It's, uh, weirdly enough, it hasn't like, it hasn't gotten worse necessarily because of what's happening. But I think for a lot of people it, it has. And I think a lot of people are experiencing anxiety and depression for the first time. And these words and, and like the discussion of this, seeing it everywhere you look in every stream of content is maybe a little bit overwhelming. So I'm trying to not necessarily use that same language to try to give people kind of a break from it. Um, and I don't know that that's the best way to go about things, but that's just the one what I'm doing, you know, on my channel. No, I think that's the right thing to do. And it's you're, again, you're not really glossing over it. You're just I, I love the idea of actually consciously using different language. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to take that on board, too, because, yeah, we just we just we don't know where this is going. And but hopefully a lot of things are going to be born out of this that are just positive and you know, if you're inspiring your fellow musicians, let alone your fans to possibly one, learn new songs, if not make their first YouTube video, if not start a career via YouTube, then those are just positive things to come from it. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, I also just selfishly want you to, uh, write some poetry. I want to see it. <laughs> I need to get back into poetry. I'd love to do that. So maybe I'll, I'll think of you as the one person that may read the poem that I that I post and then that'll get I me will definitely poem. read the poem. But at the same time, like um, in, in terms of your creative process, like what drives you to be able to create, learn new songs and then write new songs? Like, are you actively thinking of people hearing something or are you writing for yourself? Whenever I sit down and I think about the people hearing the thing I'm writing, I stop writing. It just like cripples me. So for me, whenever I do write a song, I successfully sit down with my guitar, write a song. It's because I've forgotten about everybody else and, and I've sort of shut off the world. And, and I'm almost, almost always, unless I'm specifically commissioned to write something about something for somebody, uh, all my songs are written in that space of the world is not here and it's just me getting something out, so. Yeah, I find it I find it very overwhelming to think about all the people that will eventually hear the song and it would make it so I can't write if I think about that. I, I do the same thing for videos. Like I really just try and I I don't think about it. And maybe my videos would be a bit more successful if I was like, right, this is going to be seen by millions of people because this is catchy and this is clickbaity or whatever. But it's, instead, I'm like, no, 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 no. Can I can I just sit with this alone for a while and actually make something out of nothing? Um, and the same for songs. Like I feel, um, an affinity with you because our music is not, it's, it's not what's in the charts right now. And I think when people are trying, 
trying to write or they're, they're thinking of starting a, a songwriting career, they might be tempted to write for a specific thing like getting a number one or something like that. Or, you know, what's what's in vogue right now? What's popular? Um, and I, I feel you sort of you become way more successful in your career when you do what you can consistently keep up. So if you aren't into electronic music and you start writing electronic music, you're not going to be able to keep it up. So um, that's what I love about your songwriting. It's just like you have a voice, you have stories to tell. Um, you're not writing it for so many. I think the best thing to do creatively for anyone who is listening is like, don't write for masses of people and don't write for something that you think is going to be popular. Write for you. And then no one can copy that. No one can, um, no one can take that away from you. Like you've just, you've, you've become original just by writing in your own style. Yeah. And I think, you know, people, people have a pretty good BS meter, you know, you can hear when you, you can, you can tell when you're hearing something that is like manufactured to become a hit or something or to have a certain style. And I think when I hear music that I know is authentic and real you can just immediately tell and that's the kind of music I listen to and, and that's also the kind of music I want to write you know I, I have I really don't have any interest in trying to like ride a wave or a trend um, and maybe sometimes that that keeps me in like a certain I don't know like older classic genre but that's just sort of my style and I I don't I don't feel like I have to change it in the wake of new music coming out well I, I kind of um it took me a long time to even see that for myself. Um, and now I really admire it because it's such a journey to try and, I don't know, forget about what other people are going to think of it. Or when you might get that comment from a family member or a friend who'll be like, well, it's not going to be a hit or like something like that, which is it's so snide and it's so silly because what have they firstly what have they written have they written a hit do they know what would be a hit um but yeah it's a it's a sort of I want to say it's like a form of independence or a sort of a way to just literally create for a small amount of people actually means that you might end up creating for more than just a, a niche thing um and and that's what I found with my with my whole YouTube channel. It's like once I stopped trying to write those pop songs that I was trying to write um, and just focused on how I wrote and how I wrote best, which is alone at my desk with a, an acoustic guitar laptop in front so I can type down ideas quick, quickly uh, rather than trying to organize co-writing sessions with popular singer songwriters or, or songwriters who might be able to craft whatever I've written into something a bit more commercial. And then those songs become more popular just because you're able to deliver it more consistently. And the same with videos, like the best thing about your videos, uh, the, the first word I would use is that they're authentic um, and organic and just lovely to watch and joyful to watch. Like the, I don't, I don't know what just happened there. <laughs> Something fell down somewhere. Um, and uh in terms of the live streams you've been doing as well, how have you found those? Have you, you've always been doing live streams. No, no, this is brand new territory for us. Yeah. Uh, somebody suggested that we do live streams and everybody I know has been doing them because I think it, it is that way to connect when we're all stuck in our houses. This is the only way that we can uh, sort of reach a, a certain amount, of, like a group, a gathering of people and not have to uh, worry about making people unsafe. So We've been doing the live streams every week. We're doing them every uh, Wednesday, Wednesday morning, our time. And um, it's been really interesting. I didn't know. I honestly did. We did the first live stream. I didn't know that people could donate money uh, during the live stream. And that was actually really surprising to me. And just like there's been a huge outpouring of support for musicians and self-employed people and people in the service industry that have lost their jobs. And uh, I've been trying to think of ways to like sort of 
promote other people that I know are in a really tough position with that. Uh, a lot of the musicians I play with are now trying to do like Skype lessons and things. So I think the next video I make, I'm going to try to incorporate as many people virtually as possible, get them all involved in the video, and then try to like send people that way. If you're trying to learn Dobro, go to Shane. If you're trying to learn Mando, go to Mike. You know, these are experts in their field. And so, yeah, um, the live streams have been amazing. Uh, they're actually really fun. I love being able to see people's reaction in real time and react to them, um, which is something you don't get with the pre-recorded Sunday morning videos. And I hope to do a lot more of them. We're going to keep doing them until basically until all the restrictions are lifted and everybody can go outside again. I actually had a, a spare. I've been shying away from live streams because I didn't think I had the right gear. Um, and I who cares about that? Well, <laughs> so I, I did try one yesterday and it was quite alarming how many people joined which was incredible but I, I wasn't ready for it but um the the inbuilt microphone on my laptop was a little bit crackly I think so I I do have a streaming microphone somewhere in a box so um I'm gonna have to dig it out but what do you use for your setup the first two that we've done I've just used my iPhone just like as close as I can get to the iPhone microphone without being like my face is the whole screen so um we did and it sounded okay I do think we're gonna try to get the proper gear because we're gonna be doing this for a while it seems like so um so yeah I but I think the iPhone has a pretty great microphone in it and it sounds not bad the technology in these things now is just remarkable and terrifying and incredible and and it's it's kind of like it's a it's another thing for people to not have to worry about because they've got an incredible camera and audio system in their pocket um so the fact that you're doing live streams using your phone is so cool and hopefully we'll just prove to other people that it's just it's possible for them to do it you don't need something extraordinary and expensive and special anymore you can you can do it literally from your phone yeah which is another you know barrier to entry for youtube creation that wasn't there i mean that that barrier was there when i first started you had to have a separate camera and then a separate microphone and you had to know how to like put it into a, you know some sort of program to like mix it together and post it now you can just use your iphone and that's what i've been telling people that have been asking me how do i get started I think before you invest in thousands of dollars of gear, try making a video with your iPhone. You know, it's, it actually sounds pretty great. And then you'll know whether you want to actually be a content producer before you waste a bunch of money, you know. Yeah. And and also, you know, really learn how to use the gear you have. I, I've, I've always been worried that I don't have the special 4K camera and the best uh, equipment. I'm very fortunate that I, I do have some good pieces now. Um that I've acquired over however many years I've been doing it but even now like you don't have to go to the super high level that's available um and it's all about the story and it's about you know share sharing something whether that's in song or whether that's uh talking or whatever like I, I want to see more guitar lessons from Tony I do too everybody does <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah online lessons and um uh yeah, I think uh, I think it's just I just think it's really exciting, and I'm I'm um, I like your message about that, but I I need to do I need to do more live streams. I found it really enjoyable. I was actually thinking of maybe um, practicing guitar and writing songs on live stream, which might be like watching paint dry. But at least people will see that, that there isn't anything special <laughs> that goes on behind the scenes. Well, I don't know that it would be like watching paint dry. I think, you know, I think people really are interested in your process. And, uh, you know, I've seen people live stream sleeping, you know, just like I'm going to take a nap. Everybody should take a nap with me. You know, and people people just want to be near. People want to be involved. And I think that's the whole point of the live stream so I think whatever whatever it is you're doing if you want to share it with the people that follow you I'm sure that they would they would want to be part of it cool okay all right you're gonna write a novel I'll do more live streams that's what we've deal <laughs> that's the agreement we've come to um okay so I have some prepped questions but first I've got some questions from my patreon um followers for you okay oh a few more have cropped up Okay, so Tim asks, who or what is Raina Del Cid? Is it the name of your band or name or or your name or both? If it's both, then why not use 
Rain Adele Sid to refer to the band only and use your real name for you. Wouldn't that make it more clear who or what your... I should have read this beforehand. Um, <laughs> wouldn't that make it more clear who or what we're talking about? Just curious. We love you anyway. That's a good question. And it's a question I get all the time. So Rain Adele Sid initially was just a YouTube username. Uh, it was like my own inside joke to myself because I had named my first guitar, my blue guitar that I used to play all my original videos with. Um, I named it El Cid after El Cid Campeador, a Spanish like knight figure. Um, and I figured if my guitar were named after this knight, then I would be the queen. Reina means queen in Spanish. So it was like queen of El Cid. So I never really meant for it to be a name, but people thought it was my name just because it was the username. People started calling me Reina. And I was like, actually, it's really nice to have a name that isn't my name because in 2007, when I was making these videos, I had a very, I was very suspicious of the internet as I think everybody was and maybe still is. And I didn't want people to be able to easily find me to know where I lived, you know, to be able to stalk me. And um, people eventually figured out how to do that anyway. But that's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I kind of kept it as, as a pseudonym, kind of an alias. And then when I formed the band, it just, it be, that also became a band name. That's what we were. We were Raina Del Cid. And um, so I think somebody wrote a Wikipedia article about Raina Del Cid, and they said it was the eponymous uh, Rainer Del Cid is the, is the leader of the eponymous folk rock band, which I think is a good way to say it. So it's both. It's all those things. And everybody can find out my real name by just Googling it. But I think I've kind of liked the dichotomy between Raina as my music, music identity and Rochelle as my sort of like everyday life. That's what my family calls me. So, yeah, I hope that clears it up. Yeah. And I kind of I kind of wish I had done that at first too um but I wasn't as clever as you um and now I definitely can't change it um okay so Reese asks uh how has the Minneapolis music scene obviously that's where you used to live uh, well um uh how has it influenced your music well I mean I think people talk about the Minneapolis sound which is you know Prince and you know that sort of like neo-funk neo-soul thing that part of it has not really had a ton of influence, even though I used to go to see Dr. Mambo's Combo, which is like Prince's old band. They play, they play the same bar every Thursday. Um, or, sorry, every, every Monday and Sunday. Yeah, two days a week. And they've been doing it for like 35 years, which is crazy. So um, I love the Minneapolis sound. I love everything that's going on there. It's a really tight-knit community like of musicians, um, more than one would think, like for some cold city up in the north where there really aren't that many people. There's a lot going on musically there. We have a ton of amazing venues there. Um, but I think the the main way that it's sort of for, formed or like influenced our music is just that we had this residency in downtown St. Paul where we our band used to play every Monday. And we got a lot better doing that. And we got, we kind of built up our live chops and we became less afraid of audiences and sort of things like that. And so I think just that location and a uh, sense of community and the same people would come every week, that really influenced uh, just how we do our live show. And it made it a lot better. So now we live in LA, Tony and I, and uh, there's a lot more opportunity here, I would say, but um but I'm very grateful for having sort of a, a connection to the Midwest. Yeah, and, and having a, a slightly smaller, like I, I decided not to move to London because I knew I, I, I just, I wouldn't be able to get something like a residency. And um, I did a very funny Monday night show way back that literally would have maybe two or three people watch. We'd play, me and my friend Chris, we'd play for like four hours We'd do four 45 minute sets and there would be like three people. Two would be playing pool. One would just be sat drinking alone. <laughs> that's, and that's about right. That's what it should it's be. It's the best way to just suddenly realize you're like, ah, oh, I'm on stage. No one cares. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So actually that's, that's the, I, I'd forgotten about my, my form of residency, which was not how it's sort of maybe documented in films where people get a residency and then, then a music industry professional walks in and then they see anyway. Yeah, no, the, ours was not glamorous. We, we like literally just started out playing to Rocky, the bartender, who is this older woman who like was like a no BS woman. She was just like grainy, like voice that she had been smoking for like 80 years. 
you know, and she was just like not impressed with us, but it was she was the perfect audience member to play to. So, yeah. And, and play to the, you know, bartenders, because um, uh, I used to do that in a, a, a other a, more of a solo residency in um, in Bristol, where I used to live. And uh, they would call out like their favorite versions of the songs I did or whatever. So it was that's kind of cool. That sort of community. I probably would have done it for free at the time as well, because I just loved playing. But OK, so I have some prepared questions which I've been asking everyone. Um, which album or artist have you recommended to your friends and family the most? Probably the Wood Brothers, Loaded. It's called, the album's called Loaded. And the Wood Brothers are uh, this trio, usually duo, sometimes trio, out of Colorado, I believe. And uh, if you like really rich acoustic music, upright bass, acoustic guitar, sometimes electric guitar, um, they're like a folksy, bluesy, rootsy uh, group and they're kind of relatively unknown and so I guess that's probably the one I've talked about the most very cool I'm gonna have to check them out yeah okay if you could have a drink with any musician dead or alive who would it be and what would you ask them does it have to be a musician can it be a writer <laughs> it could be a writer yeah Virginia Woolf okay what would you ask her oh what would I ask her oh my god I have so many questions like how often do you drink wine <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't know. I'd probably ask her something way more like I'd try. I would have to prepare like a lofty question for her, like something about like, you know, how long did it take you? That's, this is not lofty, but how long did it take you to write Mrs. Dalloway? When did you start it? When did you finish? What was your process? Um, I can only learn so much from reading your entire collected journals. So uh, I feel like I'd have a lot of questions for Virginia Woolf. I, I hadn't really thought about um, writers in that way in, in terms of like if they... The best thing about having a YouTube channel now is like people can actually ask you questions and ask you the things that I guess not that no one cared about, but they just couldn't communicate it back then. So, hmm, a lot of things have changed. Okay, so uh, tell me about your favorite piece of music gear or not music gear, so a piece of tech and the story behind it. Oh, let me think about that. Probably it's it's really boring, but probably the Zoom H6 is my favorite piece of music gear because it is so, and I am not sponsored by Zoom, I wish I were, but um, it is so versatile, yeah. It's so versatile, it's so easy to use, it sounds it sounds scarily good uh, for being what it is. It's just like a handheld portable, um, portable recorder thing. And um, I, I, I can, it ma makes it so basically so that we can make our Sunday morning videos wherever we want. We can go, we, we did one in like the Grand Canyon one time. Um, we can go anywhere. You don't need power. You just need like a, a guitar and, and the recorder. So um, sometimes I'll set up like my whole system with my fancy equipment and my like, you know, eight channel interface into like this really nice preamp I bought and like all this stuff. And still the Zoom, like I'll also have the Zoom and sometimes the Zoom sounds better. And that's kind of disheartening. That means I'm probably doing something wrong. But it's just an incredible piece of gear and it really isn't that expensive for what it offers. So that's probably the one. I, I couldn't agree more. And honestly, you showing me the backup feature has saved my ass way more than I care to admit. It's incredible. So, um, yeah, you really know how to use it and, and you teaching me that. I, I'm now completely in love and it's it's made things like this possible for me, which um, it's just nice to record something separate away from your computer as well. Yeah, sometimes you, you get bogged down in setting up like all the channels and things in Pro Tools and sometimes it's easier just to like turn on the Zoom and deal with that later, you know? That's what I really like about it. Well, for me and doing like guitar reviews, um, the coolest thing about it is that I, I don't process any audio afterwards. To, to make sure that people actually hear what they would hear in a room. I just feel like it's like the most honest recording as well. Um, so, yeah. Okay, final question and a way to wrap up this interview. Um, if you could give your younger self a word of musical advice, what would it be? I would go back to when I was 15 and I just got my first guitar and I took my first guitar lesson um, from a guy in Fargo where I grew up and he told me I remember the the exact moment I was like uh I I want to learn more about scales I want to learn more about you know sort of 
I didn't say music theory because I don't think I totally understood that at the time, but I wanted to, basically I wanted to learn how to play lead guitar. And that's, that's what I was trying to convey to him. And he said, well, you write music, what you really need to know are chords. So learn how to play the chords, become a rhythm guitar player, write music. And I, I did that. And if I could go back to when I was 15, I would say, uh, the lead guitar side of things is for everybody. It's not just for young boys. Um, if you are interested in it, pursue it and do it at the earliest age possible. Right now is the perfect time because it's a lot harder to go back later in life and un unlearn uh, a lot of the habits that you pick up from just, just being cool with like learning how to play chords and accompany yourself. Um, I would just go back in, in time and tell myself to... Uh, to be better at that. And this is something I've finally realized in the last couple of years. Like, you know, I, it's, I'm going to have to undo a lot of the learning I've already done to become a better guitar player. And I just think it's like easier when, when you start out that way. Tony was six years old when she picked up the guitar and she wanted from the very beginning to be like a rock star lead guitar player. And that's what she became. So, um, that's probably what I would, I would say. I would go back and I would say, find a different guitar teacher and, uh, you know, go for it. Well, and I, I wouldn't usually chime in, but honestly, I, I don't think you have as much undoing as you think you do. Um, uh, and the best thing now, if anyone is trapped with a teacher that isn't letting them learn what they want, they can secretly find it on YouTube somewhere. Someone will be showing something, something magical and weird and wonderful that maybe that teacher just isn't equipped to, to teach. That's that's one of the most beautiful things about YouTube is that, you know, we have access to all the knowledge that we need. We have teachers, we have thousands and thousands of teachers now available to us on YouTube. It's incredible. And when I was starting at 15, we didn't have that. So um, there is no one to keep you from that knowledge except for yourself. So it's an amazing time to be alive. And it's an amazing time to be a musician. Perfect way to end this interview. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Mary. This is so fun. I've learned so much from talking to Raina and I really hope the lockdown is lifted soon so she can get back to what she does best, touring the world. And selfishly, I want that London show to happen too. So check out her music and videos and I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. Now for information on the sponsor of this entire series, more than 250,000 artists rely on DistroKid to distribute their music, including myself. If you're wanting to have your music available on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music and Tidal, amongst many more stores, then you should sign up using the link in the description. An account starts at just $19.99 for unlimited songs and albums in 12 months, and with the link in the description, you'll get 7% off your first year. If you are writing and producing music, then I can't recommend DistroKid enough. So a massive thanks to them for making this series possible. And check out that link in the description for that 7% discount. But otherwise, I'll see you next week.